I talk about telling a story and using stories all the time in this podcast, but I don't mean sitting everyone around a campfire with a mug of hot chocolate and someone starting out once upon a time. Storytelling often doesn't mean literally telling a story in the context of product management. So in this episode, I want to cover a few things. One is what storytelling means in product management. It's really a simple subset of the whole storytelling concept. It's very specific to things that we do and need to do as product managers, and we'll go over that. And then we'll talk about the mechanisms by which you can use these stories, really their components, to give you superpowers. And I'll give you some examples. Hi, this is Nels Davis, and you're listening to episode 154 of the Secrets of Product Management podcast. This podcast, of course, for product managers, product marketers, leaders, anyone who wants to make a difference in the world by creating great products and taking them to market. This episode is sponsored by my free semi-weekly product manager meetup, which happens every other Friday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific time. If you'd like to join, and you're welcome to join, it's free, go to the sign-up page at secretsofpm.com meetup and get on the notification list, and I'll send you an email whenever we have one scheduled. I'd love to have you join. I've talked at length in previous episodes about the power of storytelling and what that means in practice. And as I said, it doesn't mean sitting around a, a campfire and spinning a yarn. In the product manager context, it specifically means understanding what makes stories work, what makes them engaging, the key components, what makes them interesting, not just engaging but interesting, and then taking those components and using them for various purposes. You could almost call it deconstructed storytelling. At least that's what I'm going to talk about today. Now, remembering that at its most basic, at least for the purposes of our stories, our stories are about a problem we're solving, someone, often you, but not always, often it's a customer when we're talking about our customer success stories, searching for a solution to the problem through challenges and roadblocks and obstacles, and then, once a solution is found, experiencing a meaningful transformation. Now, if you're in enterprise software, this is exactly the journey our successful customers have. They had some problem that was so significant, they were willing to spend money to solve it. And in fact, they probably tried to solve it in various ways. They tried to buy a solution, maybe use spreadsheets, build their own solution, and they failed. And now they've come to us, and we've persuaded them that our solution will work for them. They took it on, and they had success. The bad thing or things that were happening to them have stopped, and they attribute their success to our product. But the most important thing there is not our product. It's that they had a significant problem that was worth spending money on. They were able to solve it, and then they had a meaningful transformation. Let's quickly talk about what meaningful means. It can mean a lot of things, but one key thing is that the business problem is solved, of course. But in fact, that's the least interesting possible result. It's necessary, but not sufficient for a good story. For a good story, there needs to be something else, usually a personal impact on someone or multiple someones. Now, again, this doesn't mean selling your product to a customer who simply has the business results that they wanted. That is a great outcome for you as a company. It's not necessarily great as a story if there's not some personal component of it. Now, for enterprise software, it might be that the person who made the decision to buy our product or the person who was our product's champion they might have gotten a raise or a promotion, or the person who was suffering from the problem is now able to sleep at night instead of tossing and turning, worrying about how they're going to get through the day with the problem facing them, or that they're saving so much time with our solution 
that everyone gets to go home early to see their kids' baseball games, and no more late nights every week to get the TPS reports out. There are some quantitative transformations that, because of their scale, become meaningful in the context of a story. If you completely eliminate a bad problem, that's meaningful. Now, in that case, there's almost always a personal impact as well. If you're going from, we were suffering from this every day to this now never happens, that's meaningful on its own. But of course, the fact that there was suffering and it's gone is also meaningful. A factor of 10 change in performance or some other metric is inherently meaningful. The reason these two examples are meaningful is that human beings can directly experience them without the mediation of tooling or instrumentation. If an interaction is 10 times faster than it was, that's noticeable to a person directly. And it's delightful as well. So to reiterate, problem, a challenging search for a solution, and a transformation. That's the story as a whole. But often you're not going to use that whole story. You're going to use portions of it. And the story and its components all become persuasion tools in your toolbox. And really the fundamental thing to remember is that stories, good stories, are always about people. They're personal. The problem is always impacting someone often multiple people. You know, a company not making its sales targets, obviously that's bad for the company, right? But it's also bad for the people in the company. And for some people in the company, it might mean their job if it's not turned around. If it's really bad, it might mean the jobs of everyone in the company. And this is the most practical business problem of all, right? Not making sales. That's like a fundamental bad problem. But it's also personal to a lot of people. And that's true of all problems we're solving, even business problems. They impact people. The story, the good story, is not the one about the company. It's about the people in the company and the impact on them of not making sales. So one of the easiest ways to start using stories is to focus on those people to personalize the problem. It's already personal, of course, to them. You're just surfacing that. So instead of saying, we want to help you hit your sales targets, you turn it into a personalized phrase. We want to help you hit your sales targets so you can keep your job. With that small addition, we kind of implicitly change the meaning of you. In the first sentence, you is the company, an entity with no emotions who is hard to engage with. In the second sentence, you is the person whose job is at risk because of the missed sales numbers. If you are selling tools or services to help a company improve sales, that you now refers to your ideal customer, a sales manager, a VP of revenue, a CEO perhaps, not to a faceless and emotionless corporation, a person who needs the job. Now in general, the easiest way to start using stories in your presentation is to find a picture, it can be a stock photo, of a person suffering from the problem or who might be threatened with the problem that you solve. So for improving sales, this might be a person surrounded by papers looking stressed. That might be enough to turn your claim, we help you improve sales, into the beginning of a story. We help you, the sales manager, improve sales and keep your job and lower your stress. In fact, think about it. If your target audience is sales managers who need to improve sales or they're going to get fired, you can easily imagine what they have done already to try to solve this problem and obviously failed with. They've read books, They've gotten some training, most likely. They might have brought some tools to help, and that didn't help. They have lain awake at night, unable to sleep because of the stress. And that one picture will evoke all of that in the mind of your ideal customer, the one who is suffering in that situation, in a way that simply saying, we help you improve sales, never could. So here's another example of simply using a picture to tell a story. 
I've actually talked about it in the podcast before, but it's such a good example that I love to repeat it. I was working with someone who had a product component that was data feeds. They had to send data on a weekly basis to partners so that everyone was in sync. Now, this was tedious and error-prone, and because it was data feeds, you're probably already falling asleep just hearing that phrase. It wasn't getting much attention. But when I asked her some questions about this data, it turned out that the data is about people and their so-called life status changes, things like having a baby, getting married, retiring. And if the data feeds weren't correct or timely, then their medical and other benefits wouldn't reflect those life status changes. In short, if a couple had a baby and the data feed had an error, that might mean the couple couldn't get medical care for their baby. Simply knowing that puts the data feeds in a totally different perspective. At least I felt it did. And I think when we updated her presentation, it had that impact. But the way that you capture that story in your presentation is actually using a photograph. It's a very easy way to do it. It can, again, be a stock photo of a couple with a new baby. It practically doesn't matter what's happening in the photo as long as it's a couple and their new baby. And then when you show it, you say, if there's a mistake in my data feeds, then this couple's baby might not be able to go to the doctor. One picture and a sentence. Data feeds has changed forever in your audience's mind. Now, the final example, which I've also mentioned before, but it bears repeating, is the old Apple iPod billboards. I'll include one in the show notes for this episode for you to look at, but I'll also do a quick description. The billboard, and there were quite a few of these with different people shown, shows a person in a black silhouette against a colorful background. The person is obviously in motion, like they're dancing, although it is a still. And there's a thin white line running down from the person's head to a white rectangle, clearly the cord of wired earbuds connected to an iPod. And then the headline, iPod. Just a single word. But this picture tells a story. A story that was particularly meaningful when the iPod originally came out, not so much nowadays. You did have to know some context, and of course the audience looking at this billboard was going to know some context particularly young people. So before there were MP3 players like the iPod, you could carry around a little bit of music in a portable CD player or a tape deck, but no more than 20 or 30 songs, and those were in a fixed order, and they often skipped, and the tapes often got eaten. But with the iPod, it was thousands of songs, and you could change the order and make your own playlists. Anyone who liked music knew this, and the billboards told that story. In fact, the story that the billboards really told was, before, I couldn't play my own music the way I wanted to. That was the problem. Now the iPod lets me do that. That's the solution. And now I'm so happy I'm dancing. And that's a transformation. One picture, a whole story. Amazing. Now, as a quick side note, I don't know if you ever thought about it, but music has driven billions of dollars worth of wealth creation over the centuries. Every generation has had multiple music-based millionaires. Not just musicians themselves, but the people who make it easier to have music. Sheet music publishers in the late 19th century were big businesses making millions of dollars. They were some of the biggest businesses in the country. Player piano makers, player piano roll makers, all of these folks made fortunes on music because music is so compelling to people. Those are three examples of how to tell a story in a really simple way, in a deconstructed way, in a presentation or in, in, when you're talking about something or an advertisement. So let me give you three things you can start doing today to put these ideas into practice. If you are thinking about or presenting about a technical feature, figure out how to personalize the impact of that feature or its lack, the lack of the feature. And then find a picture to illustrate that. The next time you present about that feature, 
use the picture and tell the personalized story. You can also put the picture even straight into the PRD or into the feature spec. Second, remember that any problem has a personal impact, even a business problem. Someone will lose if that problem continues and it isn't solved. Conversely, somebody will win if the problem is solved. And by win, I mean something important, like not getting fired or getting a promotion. When you're doing discovery on one of these problems, make sure to ask questions that get at the personal impact. It could be as simple as asking, how do you feel about that in the context of the problem? Or you could ask, is your job at risk if this problem keeps happening? Or what happens to you and your colleagues if this problem isn't fixed? And finally, start paying attention to great marketing around you and see if you can find the stories. Find the way the problem and or the transformation is encoded and personalized in the marketing. They might be one picture, it might be a great headline or a combination, and one thing you will also see is a lot of really terrible marketing that doesn't use stories. And you'll just, once you start getting sensitized to it, you're going to start groaning when you see a lot of billboards. So I'm trying to convey in my episodes about storytelling what I mean by the term. It really doesn't mean, as I say, sitting around the campfire. I keep saying that. It's about finding ways to emotionally engage with your audience whoever it might be, prospects, colleagues, your dev team, your executive leadership, so they can take your ideas on board or buy your product or build you a great solution or fund you to build a great solution. Sometimes all you need to get started is to personalize the problem you're trying to solve, and sometimes you can do that with a single picture. Now, I hope this episode has been interesting for you and that this concept has resonated for you. I'd love to hear your thoughts about the idea of telling a story with a single picture of making use of personalized pictures, even if they're stock photos, in your presentations, whether they're internal or external. Love to hear about how you are making use of that. This has been episode 154 of the Secrets of Product Management podcast. I hope you can put these ideas into practice and get value from them. As always, I write the show notes for this show podcast to be a resource for you to take action on the ideas in the episode so i hope you get a chance to visit at secretsofpm.com and you can drop a comment on the show page there if you have comments or complaints on this episode or any other episode i love to hear them i'm also on twitter and linkedin i'm nels davis on both feel free to follow and or connect with me on either platform don't forget to subscribe to the podcast in your player of choice if you haven't already and share the episode with your friends and or enemies depending on how you felt about it until next time This is Nels Davis. Bye-bye.